0: In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear saints of God, it looks like John chapter seven was sneaking in under the guise of Luke chapter seven into our bulletin, and it's a marvelous text. I commend it to you, especially the last verse of John seven seventeen that's printed here. If anyone wills is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is true. This is a verse of great comfort. But we do need to turn our attention to Luke chapter 7 this morning. The gospel text that you heard, the raising of the widow's son, the widow from Nain. It is in fact an incredible gift that the Holy Spirit inspired St. Luke and inspired all the gospel writers and in fact all the apostles who wrote the scriptures to record for us the actions and words of our dear Lord Jesus and even to record for us the marvelous treasure of our dear Lord's thoughts and feelings. This indeed is a treasure that is beyond measure. Think of it. How how wonderful that we get to sit here in the year 2010 and consider these ancient words about our dear Lord Jesus and consider even that we can know how he felt and what he thought we see in the scriptures, and in this text in particular, that everything our Lord does, He does well. And, and the account of the raising of the widow's son is no exception to that. Jesus and His disciples are traveling uh, north to south, from Galilee down to Jerusalem, and they come to a little village called Nain. There's a large crowd that's traveling with Jesus, and, and they're going up into the city, and, and, they're, and they come, this lar- Jesus and His disciples in this crowd come to the gate. And there's another large crowd that's coming out of the gate, coming out of the town. And, and the, two, the two crowds kind of crash into each other, right, right there at the gate. Here's Jesus with his disciples and the people following him. And the crowd coming out is a funeral procession. Now, seemingly, to this point, this funeral is like any other funeral. There's a dead man that's being carried out first, and there is his mourning mother who's coming after him. And Luke gives us this detail. He says that this woman is a widow, that she'd already suffered the loss of her husband, and that she is weeping, and she's surrounded by this crowd. Now, these two processions meet at the gate of the village of Nain. You know how it is when a funeral procession comes down the road. You're supposed to, and people do this less now than they used to, but you know what you're supposed to do when a funeral procession comes. You're supposed to pull over. If you're walking down the highway, or, or sorry, if you're walking down the sidewalk and the funeral procession comes by, you're supposed to stand still. And, and I see this. A lot of people still do it. Whenever I'm riding in a funeral procession, the, the people will stop and they'll wait as, as the procession goes by. It's simply good manners. Maybe there's something else to it as well. This is probably what our Lord Jesus should have done and his disciples and the crowd with him. He he should have stepped back off of the road and and stood still while this funeral procession went by them like this. Perhaps it would have been good for Jesus and his disciples to join in this procession, to comfort this woman in her mourning. Jesus should have let, and, and this is just common decency, Jesus should have let this man on the coffin pass him by. But he doesn't. Jesus stands there, right in the middle of the road, right in the middle of the gate, right in the way, and when the casket reaches him, he reaches his hand out and he stops this entire funeral procession. Now, if you're not offended by this, it's because you know the end of the story. But pretend for, a, pretend for a moment that you don't. Pretend for a moment that you don't know what's coming. Imagine for a moment that you're this, this woman going on the funeral procession with your son, and here is this rabbi, this stranger, standing in the way, and he reaches out his hand, and he stops the funeral procession, and he looks at you, and he tells you to stop crying, interrupting your son's funeral. This is unheard of. And when we see how strange our Lord is acting here, how how he's not doing what he's supposed to, how he's not following the rules, we we begin to see that there's a difference between the way our Lord Jesus thinks about death and the way we think of it. There's a difference between the way the, the, the Lord treats death and the way we treat it. There's a word in the Bible for death that's helpful for us to bring out here. It is the word rule or ruled. The ESV uses the word reigned. St. Paul says it like this, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who were sinning, whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Or that's Romans 5.14. Romans 5.17, Paul says it again, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Death rules and reigns over all of history. Paul makes this point from from the genealogies that are recorded in the scriptures. You you know, you've you've started to read the Bible and then you've run into these long genealogies and you've thought, goodness, this is really quite something. So-and-so was born, they lived for so many years, they had this child, and then they died. And then their son was born, lived for so many years, had this child, and then they died. And then so-and-so lived for so many years, had this son, and then they died died. In fact, the the entire history of the world is just like one long funeral procession. Everyone ends up dying. Death reigns, Paul says. Death was in charge. Death had its way. Death was king. That's why we stand still when a funeral procession goes by. That's why Jesus would have been expected to stand aside and let this procession pass by, because death, like a king, is to be respected. Reverenced, honored, perhaps even feared. But, dear saints, we see in the text that Jesus is not concerned about death's honor. He is not concerned with giving death reverence or respect. In fact, our dear Lord Jesus doesn't care so much for death at all. And he is not afraid to bring shame to death. This is important for us to remember. Jesus does not like death. There's so much talk, and you've heard it. There's so much talk about coming to grips with death, about dealing with death, about accepting death. That we, there's so much talk of this that we might be tempted to think that it's true, but it's not. Jesus does not come to grips with death. Jesus does not accept death. In fact, everything that Jesus does, everything that he does, is a fighting against death. It's Jesus, after all, who will come out of the grave on the third day, putting an end to death's rule and reign forever. If there was anything that uh, was ever a disrespect to death, that was it. And Jesus doesn't care. He doesn't like death. He doesn't accept it. He destroys it. He he looks at death with disdain. But, and this is another important point, while the Lord Jesus looks at death with disdain, he looks very differently at the victims of death, at the sufferers of death, at us. We have it here in the text, words that describe our Lord Jesus so often, and they are so wonderful. This is from Luke 7, 13. And when the Lord Jesus saw her, that is, this grieving mother, he had compassion on her and said to her, stop crying. We've talked about that word compassion before. It means a deep moving in your guts. It is in the Greek the same word used to describe the death of Judas. Remember that? When he hung himself and his insides spilled out on the ground. That's the same word for compassion. And that's the same thing that goes on with Jesus. He he sees this woman walking with her veil of tears, mourning the loss of her son and no doubt the loss of her husband as well, and he feels for her. He's moved for her. His guts are churning for her. For Jesus hates death, but he loves this dear woman. We can pause and reflect on what an incredible gift to us these words are. That we're told here not just what Jesus did or what he said, but how he felt. For if we are ever tempted to think that, that our Lord and our God is distant or aloof or cold or unmoved and unmoving, the word compassion undoes that temptation. Jesus has compassion on this woman. His, his insides are churning for her. He looks at her with a deep, deep affection and love, and he has that same compassion for you. In fact, and this is where it starts to come together, the Lord's compassion for this woman and the Lord's compassion for you and for me is, the, is, what's, is precisely what's behind his hatred of death. For Jesus knows that death is our enemy, and he wants to have us in life, even eternal life. And he knows that death stands in the way. But there is nothing that's going to stop the Lord's compassion. There's nothing that's going to stand in the way of his love. There's nothing, not even death, and not even the grave, that will stand between you and the love of Jesus. So there's our Lord, standing in the middle of the gate the village of Nain, with his hand on the coffin of the dead man, looking with compassion at his widowed mother, and Jesus says to the young man these words, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up, and he began to speak. I wish Luke would have told us what he was saying. (laughs) And Jesus gave him to his mother. How about that? With a word, Jesus undoes death. With a word, Jesus undoes sadness. With a word, Jesus undoes tears. With a word, Jesus undoes this funeral procession. With a word, Jesus undoes the ruling and reigning of death on this day in the village of Nain. With a word, he does all these things. Jesus does not step aside and let death pass by. He stands right there in the way. He stops the great procession of death, the great funeral march that is the history of all mankind. Jesus stands there in the way of death and will not let death pass. But here's the rub. For when our Lord Jesus is undoing death, he himself has to suffer. For while we don't like death, we do deserve it. We deserve to die, each one of us. Death is our just wage. Like Paul says, the wages of sin is death. Or like the Lord warned our father and mother in the garden, if you eat of it, you will surely die. Now this is a real problem. Because while you and I don't want to die, we have to. It is the punishment God has given for your sin and for your sins. The man, this man that Jesus raised, that's being carried out of Nain to his grave. He deserved his death. He deserved to die. He deserved to be laid in the grave because he was a sinner. And you too deserve it. For you too are a sinner. But so great is the is the love of Jesus for you and for all of mankind. So great is his compassion and his mercy that he is going to take your death, the punishment that you deserve, and he is going to die in your place, suffer in your place, hang on the cross in the shame and wrath that belongs to you. For Jesus hates death so much that he himself will submit himself and his life to death for you. So Jesus dies to rescue you from death. Jesus suffers to rescue you from the grave. Jesus, on the cross, takes the wrath Out of death, the anger of God out of death, the punishment for your sins out of death, and he takes the fear out of death, for he takes everything bad about death on himself and makes death for you a blessed rest and sleep because of his death, because of his cross, and because of his resurrection. Because our Lord Jesus didn't stay dead, but rose. Because your Jesus did not submit eternally to death, but rather overcame death in His death and in His resurrection, your Jesus will not let you stay dead either. If our last hour comes before our Jesus does, we will rest in the grave. Our souls will be carried by the angels to heaven, but this will only be for a little while. Soon Jesus will come, and His voice will be ringing out over all of the world, a voice and a word that will call us forth from the grave, a voice that will be for us the fulfillment of all of our hopes and our prayers. For then, on the last day, when the Lord calls us out of death into life eternal, He will have us beyond the reach of death, beyond the reach of sin, beyond the reach of sadness, beyond the reach of tears, with Him in life eternal. And this is because Jesus has compassion for you. He loves you. He died for you. He forgives you all of your sins so that you have nothing to fear from death you dear saints you will live forever with Jesus and this is your comfort and your peace both now and forever Amen and now may the peace of God and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit give you comfort and peace forevermore. Amen.